Good morning and welcome to the Raised Evangelical Podcast. My name is Stephanie and I am your host and I am joined today by my friend, Melanie. How are you, Melanie? Good. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Yay. <laughs> You're like right down the road and we never talk. That's sad. <laughs> Actually, I don't think I've ever heard your voice before. <laughs> <laughs> That's pitiful. But <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's the age of social media, though. All of us shut-ins. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. We're like hermits. People stuck at home for whatever reason. Kids, disability, social anxiety, all of yeah. the above, whatever. Thank God for social media or whomever. Right? Whomever. Yeah. I, th- I feel like we talk to each other all the dang time. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, so this is going to be a fun time. I can tell. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> so I don't I don't know a whole lot about your history with uh, evangelicalism or Christianity in general. I know we share a lot of the same views and have a lot of the same, oh, I guess we could call it uh, uh, contempt <laughs> for evangelicalism. Yep. Um, but what what has been your history there? Um. Yeah, so actually I have a shitload of notes. Hopefully (laughs) swears are okay on this. Swears are fine, yes. (laughs) Uh, Okay, good. (laughs) Oh, good. Um, Because I do that a lot. So (laughs) as far as Christianity and uh, evangelicalism go, um, I grew up Methodist, and that was pretty, like, okay, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, It was, I I like to call it Crystal Methodist, because... That's just funny in my mind. Right. But um, <laughs> I think the most like evangelical stuff that I experienced was when I went to um, a Pentecostal church with my grandparents, mm-hmm. my maternal grandparents. And I think, oh, what the heck was that called? It was like a, it wasn't a church of Christ, but it was like, I don't know, the Clio. Oh, it was a, the, no, it was the it was an assemblies of god oh, church That's yes what it was. i'm i'm familiar yeah, <laughs> yeah. i grew there. up in the assembly um, of god so i hear you loud and clear <laughs> uh, it was a time so <laughs> um yeah like there was a lot of like speaking yeah. tongues and people like doing the whole praise and worship thing where they would like raise Mm -hmm. their hands and like I don't know why that was necessary at at all but apparently if you had your hands raised like you really (laughs) you were Um, serious in your worship is what that meant (laughs) it was weird yes it was like you're it was like why do we do that like are we trying to like high 10 well and what's so funny is like I I grew up in that uh, but even back then, they'd be like, invite your friends to church. I'm like, I'm not inviting anybody to church. Do you see how we're behaving here? <laughs> right? It was like, it was like embarrassing for myself. Like, I couldn't do it without feeling yes. like this weird embarrassment. Yes. I don't know. Well, carry on. Yeah. I don't want to derail your story, but. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, it was like super different from like the hymns in, uh, like the Methodist church, which were all like, you know, out of a hymnal and mm-hmm. um, super uh, traditional, I suppose. 
And then I don't know what happened with our Methodist church, but it like there was like some kind of weird change where ba- basically we went from like, let's do a hit, like five hymns at the beginning, in the middle and the end. And mm-hmm. then um, all of a sudden we had like and it was the same in the Assemblies of God Church where there was like a projector screen. I don't know. Maybe it was like the technology age or something. But suddenly right. there was like a projector screen and um powerpoints yes (laughs) and there was like a band and like Mm -hmm. suddenly we had a drummer and people playing guitars and yeah it was like that my grandma's church but suddenly the methodist church was like well let's let's get these younger generations up in here and you know make it cool or whatever so there was a lot of that and uh i don't know like the whole music thing was like it, it changed very drastically and it was mm-hmm. seemed very centered around that mm-hmm. but um i don't know that's just like the songs like worship part of it which was mm-hmm. super intense <laughs> yeah yeah very intense um but yeah so there was like i was constantly asked if i was being saved mm. like oh, like or like if i was saved or if i was saving others um wow. i don't know i just it was awkward and everyone I was told always that like everyone is going to hell like right that wasn't a Christian and like all of my childhood friends were going to be doomed to hell unless I brought them to Christ and it was my job to say the sinner's prayer with all of them like as much as possible like right somehow bring that up in casual conversation which is right. like the least casual fucking thing you can right. do how do you <laughs> casually bring up someone's eternal fate right <laughs> Yeah, like, hey, what did you guys have for dinner last night? Like, yeah, me too. Hamburger helper. So about Jesus. Like, <laughs> right, right. So about this hell thing. You might have heard of it. Yeah. Have <laughs> right. you have you ever considered that you're going straight to hell because you're five and looked at me wrong? Okay. Right. Cool. Yeah. Let's do the sinner's prayer together under the playground structure. Right. Like, I, I did that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they put so much pressure. It's like it is an, yes. an intense amount of pressure to tell a kid that they are re- they are personally responsible for the eternal fate of everyone they know. It's like, what? This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> right. Yeah. But apparently, I just like, wanted I was... to go to Sunday school. What are you talking about? <laughs> you right. Know? Like force join this like weird thought like i don't know like i felt like my thoughts were always being controlled i guess yeah, like yeah like there was always that like pervasive um you know like god knows everything that you're doing and thinking right. and he i don't know it was like the ultimate santa where like he knows oh if you've gosh. been bad or good so you better right. be good or you're going to fucking hell <laughs> like, and it's so strange ah. how we're taught to you know, we were taught to just accept that as normal. And then not only that, but then anybody who claims to be like acting on God's behalf, we accepted, or at least we were told to accept that in the name of quote accountability, they had the right to know if we'd had any like impure or uh, untoward thoughts about people. And it's like, in, in what other culture well, I'm, I'm going to take that back. I'm sure there are, are certainly other cultures where that's been normalized and it's just as wrong there. But like people who've not been exposed to that would look at that and think, no, you really don't have the right to know everything I'm thinking. You know, exactly. there's a, 
a reason. It's just a thought and not spoken or, or an action. It's, it's mine, <laughs> you know, but we were taught yeah. that was normal. Yep. And, you know, I went to Bible college and man, the accountability there was just ridiculous, but that's a whole other show in itself. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I bet. That's like a deep dive right there. Oh, man. <laughs> so, you know, you grew or you were exposed to that. And it sounds like you were, you know, kind of steeped in that culture for a really long time. Did you, I mean, did you adhere to those beliefs or were they something that you just kind of were like, yeah, I know I'm supposed to believe that, but I don't really buy it. Or, you know, where did you fall in that? Oh, man. I mean, I could... I could go into more detail on that, uh, the whole, like, how that culture was for me, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, go ahead. um, Yeah, like, because there's, there's so many ways that I was, I adhered to it, but Mm -hmm. a lot of it was um, altar calls uh, all the damn time. Like, every single church event, like, if it, like, my grandma would be like, okay, so there's like this sweet puppet show thing and we're going to go to it. It's at my church. And I'd be like, okay, cool. And so I'd show up and they would do like an altar call after it. And it was like, you're going to hell. You have to do this. Yeah. If you don't, there's something wrong with you. And then they would have it. Like my uncle got married and they did an altar call. Oh my at God. At the wedding? wedding? <laughs> wow. Yeah. What the fuck is that? And then they did an altar call at my grandma's brother's funeral. Yeah. Because that's awkward. Yeah. Let's just do it always. And then, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, I was always me- meant to, or made to feel super inferior in that I was, like, this defiled piece of shit. Yeah. And yeah. I was always encouraged to, like, be resaved because mm-hmm. I was still sitting in some way. And I yeah. think, like, a pervasive thought I always had was I was never enough. I was never enough for Christ. I was never enough for the church or my family or my grandparents. So I had this constant feeling of, like, was disappointing everyone, which yeah. I would say is still a goddamn problem in my life. <laughs> well, like, when you've been raised to think that's, like, an intrinsic part of your nature, that you are just never good enough no matter what you do, of course that's yeah. going to be a lifelong thing. I mean, my I'm... I'm 44 years old and I'm, I struggle with that immensely. Nothing I do is good enough and I'm a huge disappointment. And it's because I was told that just like you, you know, from the time I was little, you're not good enough. You're garbage. You're lucky. God even notices you, let alone loves you. So exactly. Yep. Like, (laughs) Oh yeah. He died and he died this bloody death and it was like always like thrown in my face, like, oh, okay, well, Jesus can like um, go ahead and be dragged through the streets and beaten to death, basically, and bleed all yeah. over everything and blah, blah, blah. But you can't just like not swear. Like, right. Really? What's wrong with you? Like, you can't just like give up this one thing that you do in order to like be good enough for that. I don't know. It's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but my cousins, um, so they i mean they're still like super in it it's it's scary but they um my uncle is a i think he's still pastoring but he's an assemblies of god pastor and they were always like we're the same age like my i had two girl cousins and Mm -hmm. my 
sister and I, like, we each had a cousin that was our age, so we'd play with them at my grandparents' house. And anyway, so they're always, like, they would play with us and start crying and stuff and be like, oh, my God, you're not Mm -hmm. saved. And, um, you know, they were always, like, bad and policing, like, everything I liked. So it was awful for me to, um, to, like, certain cartoons or, like, pop music or, like, if I watched Mm -hmm. Full House or like rugrats like not good enough like never ever good enough and i was always Mm -hmm. like a bad kid for liking uh normal stuff right and like my grandparents are like here's like some stuff that you can do and it was like you can watch the waltons you can (laughs) you can details like here's touched by an angel and here's like little house of the prairie anything that involved god in some way Mm -hmm. acceptable anything that didn't very very unacceptable and I that really got like reinforced um in like my early teenage years with the choir the fire which I don't know if you I remember choir the fire Fire? I've never I never participated I think it really caught on kind of after I was past you know my high school years but I do remember hearing about it (laughs) yeah it was a nightmare um yeah Yeah. (laughs) it was like uh, I think at the Silver Dome and uh, like one year was at yep. the Silver Dome, which doesn't exist anymore. And one year it was at the Breslin Center at uh, MSU. And anyway, yeah, so they did the whole like, you have to throw away all your CDs, you have to throw away your movies, you have to, mm-hmm. you know, you can't wear revealing clothing, um, you can't do X, Y, and Z, otherwise, hell. And then, right. um, so after that, like, lovely indoctrination conference and programming uh, weekend of nonsense went on, like, it was suddenly, like, Sunday, and now you have to stand up in front of the church and, like, testify about all of, you know, what you learned and how you're going to change and how you're yeah. going to be an example for Christ. It was always, like, a you must be an example for Christ, like, at all times yeah. or you're the worst (laughs) yeah and I don't know like a big part of like the evangelical thing was uh always being told that like the gays were perverts Mm -hmm. and like anyone of a different faith was going to hell like if you I was like so what if you're Muslim and you never heard about like this kind of stuff before my grandma would be like well they're going to hell and it's our job to save them Mm. I'm like okay and then the whole like (laughs) Um, all right, like, I guess that's on me now. Better go uh, do some traveling, I guess, and be a missionary for Christ. Otherwise, all these people are going to go to hell. And that's my personal responsibility as a 10-year-old. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we laugh now, but at know. the time, that was that, that's just such a heavy burden for a kid to carry around. And I know so many people who experienced that same thing and then you know coupled with that is the crushing guilt because you know you can't mm-hmm. get to everybody there are just too many people and you can't do it yeah I was like always overwhelmed always yeah. overwhelmed yep yeah and uh yep and so yeah I don't know and it was like I was always made to like pray every night before um before I went to sleep like I did the now I lay me down to sleep thing and then um 
like since I was little, little, like really like old enough to talk. Mm-hmm. And then I had, so I had to do that every night and ask God to bless everyone I knew, like every single family member, every single friend, mm-hmm. um, you know, kind of like ward off anything bad happening. Like, you know, God, please don't let my house burn down. You know, yeah. please don't let this and that happen to me. That's bad. Like, I hope my parent, like, please don't let my parents get in a car crash and die and leave me an orphan. And like, mm-hmm. like I would have to go through like every worst case possible scenario that I could come up with in like my tiny little mind and like bang every single night for that not to happen otherwise Mm -hmm. it was probably going to be my fault that like if something were to happen that was bad it was my fault that it happened because I didn't pray yeah um for it to not happen Mm -hmm. (sighs) or you so you had hidden sin or you know any it's really weird how that pans out because when I was a kid I had a lot of you know supremely irrational fears about like my house was going to burn down and things like that I mean that was literally one of the things I thought every night the house is going to burn down tonight and I remember I even had like like all my favorite things like if I if it burns down and I have to leave I can just grab this real quick you know and it yeah yep there's this whole I do that all the time yeah so on one hand I think that being right I think I think this is especially true in more charismatic or Pentecostal circles I'm finding. Um, Okay. But on one hand, you're raised to think, you know, God will protect you. God loves you. God wants the best for you. But you're also told that God is capricious. If there's hidden sin in your life, he's, he will unleash anything on you and it will be entirely your fault. Um, You know, anything could happen to you at any moment. So you always need to make sure that your heart is right with God. And those things planted the seeds of so many fears for people. It didn't make you think you were safe and that God was looking out for you. It made people think like, like this guy is just, he's really, he could just go off any second now and it'll be my fault. And I don't know what he's going to do. And I don't know how to stop it because I think I'm right with God, but I'm not a hundred percent sure ever. So there was always this just horrible fear that something terrible was going to happen. And it was because you did something that made God mad. Exactly. And like, I think that was made worse for me um, as a child because I lived with my parents and my, um, my mom's like a real hardcore narcissist. So Mm -hmm. that was like, I don't know, like, you're, like, God and then your parents are, like, the biggest deals in a kid's life. Yeah. So I was told. And then my dad was, um, he was diagnosed bipolar, um, but he, like, I don't know, his medications are always, like, real fucked. So mm-hmm. he very much, like, was, like, the, like, the actual physical in-person uh, example of you have to get right with your father or who the fuck knows what's going to happen next. Cause he yeah. was very unpredictable and like scary. Like, I don't know. That's like a whole other, let's talk about my shit childhood podcast. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it was a very physical embodiment of um, you better always mind your P's and Q's and follow the rules or, mm-hmm. you know, who knows what's going to happen. But yeah. so a whole lot of that and a whole lot of, um, like weird boundary issues like we had a boundaries in dating it was called boundaries in dating and when I was in high school and um it was like do not have sex like ever 
don't know, it reminded me of uh, the gym teacher in Mean Girls who was like, if you have sex, you will get AIDS and you will die. Or you will get yeah, pregnant well, and then you're going to die. Yep. <laughs> I was yep. like, cool. Yeah, but it was like the Methodist version of that. Right. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fear mongering yeah. they use a- around sex, even to this day, is a lot like that. Oh, yeah. Anything you do outside oh, yeah. of you know, sex within your marriage is going to kill you, <laughs> you know? yeah. or give you lifelong right? struggles with disease and so forth. I mean, just so much fear around sex, mm-hmm. you know, and it was messed up. And, and again, that's a whole other podcast because that gives you, you know, a whole lot of hangups where sex is concerned that it takes a long time to process and get it to does. a healthy place. I mean, and and I get angry when I think about it because I'm like, how dare these people mess with the most intimate part of who someone is, mess with something that is so private and so, you know, because it wasn't just the act of sex. It was also people's, um, you know, gender identity, their sexual orientation. I mean, they were out to destroy all of it. They wanted cisgender heterosexual virgins. That's what they were looking for. Yep. And exactly. Any deviation from that to any degree was treated as, in their words, an abomination. Yep. Exactly. I get so angry when I think about it because it's like, do you even care that you left a whole generation of people with these sexual hangups that now they have to get therapy to process because you thought you had the right to? interfere with this most intimate aspect of who they are how fucking dare you i get angry because i I know so many people who even even people who did it quote the right way and they waited till they were married to have sex and then they realized that they don't know anything about sex or pleasure or what's normal what's not why do i want to pull away from my spouse you know and they have all these things that nobody told them about because the only message they got was don't have sex until you're married. And then I know people who in uh, one of my guests was on, was on recently found out later in life that she is um, queer. You know, that's like, I hear that all the time. Yeah. It happens all the time. And I get mad because these are, these people interfered with that. And Mm -hmm. therefore, people were not allowed to explore in healthy ways what their sexuality is, what their preferences are. They created this narrative that dating is bad, that Mm -hmm. certainly dating more than one person is horrible. It makes you kind of slutty, you know. Oh, no. You are slut. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When really dating, there are healthy ways to explore what you like and what you don't like. And every breakup doesn't have to be this absolutely world crushing experience. They treated it like if you dated somebody and then you ended that relationship, well, now you're damaged goods, whether you had sex or not, you shared your heart with them and now you're damaged goods. And it was, it just made it so much more devastating an experience to, because that puts you further away from God. It does. Because, and, it, and it also yeah. gives you this baggage that, well, now if I do meet somebody and I really like them they and they really like me, well, now I have to tell them about this person I dated and they actually broke up with me. And I think that makes me terrible somehow. And it yes. just puts such an undue burden on people who all they wanted to do was do what most of the world does 
and yep. explore what they like and what they don't like, make mistakes, get back up and keep going and do better next time. That's what everybody yep. else does. But us, we were taught how to be relationship weirdos. <laughs> yeah, know? seriously. And, and they put such a prize on that idea of marriage. It just, yep. oh, I could yes. go on and on. I get super <laughs> angry about it because it has messed with my life. It has messed with so many people's lives. And, you know, the people who did this to us, even as they're seeing in real time, the consequences of what they did, they don't care. They will stand no, by and say they were right. No, you weren't. You fucked up a whole lot of people. You were not right. I'm done now. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I totally agree. I totally agree because, um, yeah, like I was told um, multiple times that to save yourself your marriage was the best gift that you could give your spouse and mm -hmm. that if you were to have sex before a marriage, um, you were like a tainted, dirty sock. Yep. And um, so just like that's troublesome in a lot of different ways. Like, yeah, I'm yeah. an object. So like you mm -hmm. were objectified. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. there's so much of that and like, there is there is and so I don't much. think it was ever really said to the guys so much we were supposed oh, no. to save ourselves for them we were a gift you know because yeah. we're objects I did yep. not hear nearly the same emphasis toward guys if because no. it was you know it's that whole boys will be boys thing and yep. so there were two sets of standards you know I could it was almost said if not outright it was definitely implied that that you know, the girls should not expect that the man that they marry is going to have saved himself. Yes. I mean, I it would be nice, I, but don't yep. expect it. And I, ex yeah, I, yeah, I very much explicitly remember that being said, too. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like those words. Exactly. Oh, really? Those words. Yeah. Yes. In Sunday school. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, I don't think that it was ever said to us explicitly, but it was heavily implied. That. oh no like they straight wow. up would say it like yeah they're like no guys totally they do all kinds of stuff and mm -hmm. um but it, it's like uh got, it's okay kind of like they didn't say it specifically but they would you know kind of say um guys can kind of go out and date non-christian girls and like yeah. get whatever the hell it was out of their system but you had to like remain this pure chaste little perfect christian girl and um when they were done sowing their wild oats then they would have you and mm -hmm. have like this beautiful life or whatever white picket fence bullshit that yeah was like i don't know but you had to make sure that you were there for them uh in every aspect as yeah. this intact gift because and the, yeah you're an object yeah, and then on your wedding night, you're supposed to just transform into, like, this sex goddess, even though you've never don't, been told anything about your body or his body or sex or pleasure or anything. You're just supposed to yep. know. <laughs> like, yeah, magically. Magically, like, the dick of Christ will come into your life and teach you <laughs> the, the dicking ways, like... And you, yeah, it's going to be the best fucking thing <laughs> the you've ever of experienced Christ. in your life. The clitoris the, of Christ the, is upon you. The, <laughs> yes, like the boner of Christ compels you <laughs> to be just the best sex gift oh, to God. Yes. Like, oh yeah, and it's yeah. not even yeah, it's a clitoris of Christ. <laughs> what was I thinking? They don't even care about that part. No, that <laughs> it's doesn't all matter. about That's, the dick. <laughs> it's yeah, no. There's no clitoris of Christ. There's none of that. 
Yeah. They don't even know where to find it, let alone what to do with it. That's not a real, that's not a real (laughs) organ. That doesn't actually exist. That's a, that's a, the, oh, what do you call it? The, (laughs) that's the non-faith believers, like imaginary body part that they're trying to lead you into sin with. That's not actually a real thing. So if, if you do mention that though, then you're going to go to hell. So probably. Probably. Good job, Steph. You just fucking went to hell for that one. I know. You said the well, you were... know, according to many lists that I've seen, I'm in hell for at least 25 different reasons. Oh, me too. So. Me too. I'm <laughs> so fucked. I'm so fucked. I know. I know. It'll be fun I there. Like it warm. Oh, yeah. This is the best people are going to hell. The coolest <laughs> ones. Only the coolest oh, ones. Oh, that's funny. So, yes. okay. <laughs> so, sorry. What were you going to say? No, that's okay. I mean, we've talked about it. We've kind of delved into it a bit. Like, like looking at your life over time, how how have these beliefs impacted you? Because they are oh, they're God. not benign by any means. So, right, yeah. <laughs> so, like, um, I had to, like I said, I had to proselytize to my friends all the time. Like, mm-hmm. I had to, like I had to, like I was, yeah. it was like a thing. I had to do it. Um, mm-hmm. I had to invite as many kids to church as possible, um, right. as often as possible for every reason under the sun, like. Mm-hmm. I don't know like it was it had to be part of like the base of my friendships was Christ like Mm -hmm. in school and I went to a regular public school so it was like even harder oh gosh I was that girl for a very short amount of time in in high school um it was yeah I hear I would carry my bible around I would try to talk to people about Jesus was very shy about inviting people to church because even I was embarrassed by some of the things that happened at my assembly of god church but um yeah i tried for a short time to be that girl and i realized i was not i first of all i was not the girl that i was supposed to be i never felt entirely like a girl i knew i was never going to be the woman they told me i was supposed to be and oh yeah i tried very hard to fulfill that role and then to fulfill the role of you know the faithful witness to christ and i failed miserably on both parts so i'm like you know what i think i'm done trying to be that I mean it would still be years and years and years and years and years before I you know realized a lot of things about my own sexuality and so forth and certainly before I walked away from the church altogether but even back then um, even in Bible college I knew I was like man I just do not fit this mold at all and I, I, I definitely felt that way too yeah. yeah I always felt that something was wrong with me yes or, um yes yeah, it wasn't like, a confident like, oh, I'm just different from everybody. I'm cool. No, it was like, what is wrong with me that I can't mm-hmm. do this? Because all these other uh, girls and women are fulfilling this role. It seems like so effortlessly. And then here I yes. am and I can never get it right. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. I was always like, there's something wrong with me. I'm yeah. never enough. Like I had this constant inner voice recording of I'm not good enough. I'm not yeah. enough. I'm not. I don't know. And. And you have that, I don't know, like, it seems like that's like a cultural thing, uh, like in society anyway, like I'm not pretty enough. I'm not this enough. I'm not skinny enough. I'm not whatever the fuck enough um, as a teenager or adolescent, you know, Mm -hmm. because people are constantly trying to sell you something. And well, yeah. And, you know, so, you know, for, for kids growing up in that and so you've got that in society anyway, and then just like you're getting it double 
because you're getting it at church too, where you're just not good enough. Yep. And again, I don't, I'm not going to say that guys don't have hangups from church because I know many, many, many who do. But I think For that sure. the expectations that were put on people who presented as women, however they might identify later in life, people who presented as girls and women had so much pressure put on them to be this docile, submissive, but you know, perfectly fit, always dressed well, hair always, you know, quaffed to perfection. And um, I know, you know, I'd, I'd go to yeah. church on Sunday mornings and see these women who just always had it together, or I thought they did. And um, I thought, I will never, I will never fit, fit into that mold ever. And I, yeah, hate I was. It. <laughs> I hated it too. Yeah, I was always trying so hard. Like, yeah. I was always trying like for the wrong, like trying for the wrong stuff for the wrong reasons. And yeah, it was always like a constant inner turmoil in me. And I don't know, it sucked. I think another big part of uh, my evangelical experience too was uh, like the whole obey your parents thing and um, how like every adult at church was right and so like every adult in general was right and whatever they did was in your best interest for like the purposes of christ yeah so if um any abuse or neglect happened which it did a lot as a child and in my teenage years too Mm. um i could never question it i had no one to talk to that was safe right um i had no one to like go to and be like hey this fucked up thing happened or I, it didn't even occur to me that things were fucked up until much, much later. Yeah. Um, so, like, I had to, like, I had, as, like, an adult in my 20s and 30s, even now still, I'm like, oh, shit, that was yeah. fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. I should have maybe told someone about that because that's severely wrong. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. So, like, there's the whole, like, uh, yeah, just, like, adults were just meant to be respected and adults had to be they were always right and Mm -hmm. if you told another adult then it would get you in trouble or say something bad about you or why were you questioning the authority of your elders Mm -hmm. and if you're going to question your elders authority then you're comfortable with questioning god's authority and if you're questioning that then you're absolutely going to hell (laughs) you're always like came down to guess what hell yeah hell for you hell yeah and then uh, I think another way that I would adhere all the time um, was like volunteering as much as possible. And we would do um, soup suppers and fundraisers and mm-hmm. just like tons of that kind like seriously every weekend was something like that going on. We did like in high school, well, junior high and high school, we did the 30 hour famine where we would oh, yeah. collect food. Do you? Yeah. yeah, we'd have to collect food for um hungry people and the entire time like we weren't allowed to eat anything and we would like play games and try to focus on not being hungry which yeah that's fucked (laughs) (laughs) i don't know that was real weird and i guess like my my friends groups had to be limited to christians or my church friends Mm -hmm. and i don't know so i just never had any diverse friends really and so I never like made healthy friendships and then um 
my Christian friendships were always like this had, I don't know. They were always like, well, what are your church friends doing? Why don't you go hang out with them? And it didn't matter if those were toxic as fuck friendships that were solely rooted in listening to just nonsense and bitching. Like it didn't matter like that. None of them were there for me in any way, emotionally or in a friendship way. It was always, you know, what can you do for them? Like, right. it, it was never, like, a two-way street kind of a thing, which mm-hmm. um, still impacts me with relationships and friendships and stuff. But I'm getting better yeah. at that. But, I mean, that, yeah. you know, there's a lot of stuff. And that, that's kind of what I, I wanted to ask, too. So as an adult, especially as an adult who has come out of that culture, do you see that you um, still carry a lot of that? that burden and that baggage that that culture put upon you so recklessly (laughs) (laughs) um I do actually like I do Mm. I do it though for different reasons like um I still enjoy volunteering and I still enjoy helping other people but um it's definitely morphed and changed and yeah, yeah it's not so much about like the glorification of someone else or me even it's just like like this intrinsic need to help other people because I know firsthand what it's like to feel like garbage or not yeah. enough or an other of some kind um I don't know. Cause, oh, another big one for me growing up was, um, so I'm bisexual or maybe even right. pan. I don't fucking know. I'm still trying to figure myself out, <laughs> yes. but I don't know what's going on there. Um, honestly, probably, I'm a, probably you could label me as a queer of some sort, but, um, yeah. I mean that like in the best way possible, like, yeah, it's a term that's Q accepted queer. now. We, you know, yeah. people use it and. <laughs> I'm queer, so you know I have no problem saying that. It's I. It's a term that I use with pride. I love it. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I just don't want people to get me wrong on that. But yeah. oh no, no. Okay, cool. So yeah, uh, I, that's that's me. But like, I always tried to pray the gay away. Like I was always yeah. like super ashamed in high school and stuff, and yeah, always trying to, um, literally pray it away. And yeah. it didn't work, obviously. So clearly, but right. <laughs> clearly, I mean, I'm still very much that. But it, it definitely led to yeah. a lot of like sexual repression and self hate. Oh my gosh, so much self hate and so and, like yeah. being very cowed and like don't talk about this, don't talk about mm-hmm. anything that's uncomfortable for other people or um right. might uh challenge their worldview and stuff like that. So. Mm-hmm. But I that was, is a hard thing, yeah. Yeah, and I was always, like, a very, um, in terms of how this shit impacted me, like, still, like, I was a very negative person, probably up until I was, like, 25 or 26, like, always yeah. very, very negative, and, um, not really nihilistic, but, like, well, the world's gonna end anyway, because Jesus is coming back, type of a yeah. thing, and, um, no matter what I try to do, it's not good enough, so fuck it, kind of, yeah. like, a super negative outlook on life, and, um, mm-hmm. as, like, a, probably before I went to college and stuff like that, I was very, like, conservative and judgmental of everyone, and, um, there was no, like, gray area of tolerance or anything, it was, like, you know, God's right, you're wrong, and, right, that's not a great way to be when you go into college. (laughs) Well, it's not, but you know what? I think that's a pretty common experience. And I think that's one reason why 
those churches so strongly advise um, kids not to go to secular colleges because yes. if they are, it, those beliefs are easy to hold if they're not challenged. But as yep. soon as you step out of your circle and those beliefs are challenged, it really does not take a lot to, for them to start falling apart. Exactly. And I was the same way until I started meeting people. Even at Bible college, I met people just, you know, um, who lived a different life than I did. Yep. And, you know, they didn't necessarily challenge my theology because, you know, we all basically pretty much believed the same thing. But even there with the things that I was learning, I started to see like, as far as like the canonization of scripture and so forth, I started to see, wow, so much of this is not what I was told it was. Yes. Yes. And once those beliefs are challenged and they start falling apart, um, it's really hard. I mean, you have to intentionally hold on to those conservative views that you were raised with. I mean, that has to be an act of your will at this point, because um, I just, you know, as you've experienced, once those beliefs get challenged by the reality that everybody else is living, they don't really hold up very well. All poor people are not drug addicts. Single mothers are not all women who just decided to go nuts and have a baby that, you know, she doesn't even know who the father is. That's not what's happening. But that's right. what we were all told, you know, that the way yep. the world lives is so deviant and evil and disgusting. And that's why you should want no part of it. And then you find out, oh, well, that's that's not true. Right. And like, <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, like, I feel like some people um, willfully, like, hold on to those beliefs because it's where they're comfortable. And I also feel like. Uh, and they don't want to ch- like go outside their comfort zone of beliefs. Right. And I also feel like some people are real fucking dumb and like <laughs> they can't figure that out. Like it's yeah. like not possible for them because they're just dumb. I don't know. I like, think that if, sounds if real someone... mean, but uh, well, I, I don't think know if that... they're capable of that kind of thought, you know, like. Yeah. I... I do think that something happens the longer you're immersed in that culture. I do think your critical thinking skills diminish significantly because they don't practice them at all and critical thinking skills like anything is something that you have to practice to keep sharp and they're not encouraged to think critically they're not encouraged to question anything in fact as you pointed out questioning actually is condemned so I don't think like most of the conservative people that I know most not all but most they are otherwise intelligent people. And that's, you know, that's why I look at them and I'm just so baffled. I'm like, how can you, and it's not even their, their political decisions always that, that baffle me. It's just the beliefs that they hold, yes. you know, separate and apart from, you know, who they support politically, like just some of the beliefs that they hold. I'm like, you're a, you're a smart person. <laughs> how can you believe that? But that's why it's because, you know, from my perspective anyway. No, that actually, like, makes a lot of sense, and I'm glad you said that, because, like, I don't know, it's probably not nice to go around just assuming people are real fucking dumb, but. (laughs) Well, I've I've done the same thing, though, because I've been so baffled by some of the things that I've seen, especially in the last three years, you know, there's the realizations I've had about people, and then I had to stop and think, I'm like, no, wait, I know these people are not stupid. I know they're not, so what's going on here? And that was my conclusion. 
and that it's is really a good conclusion i like it a lot because yeah if you don't it's like a bike if you don't you know practice doing it well maybe not a bike because that's not a good example but if you don't practice doing something in your mind all the time like yeah. self-compassion or whatever like the neural pathways like don't develop so if you don't practice um critical thinking skills then yeah they're not going to stay sharp like if you stop doing math forever then you're not going to suddenly remember how to do that as well yeah so yeah i mean it makes that makes a lot more sense than assuming people are stupid but (laughs) but i can uh, understand how you got there though (laughs) yeah because it's it's very like cringy and how do you do that Um, it is hard yeah it's hard to i don't know and that's i guess that's where my intolerance is I suppose. But I think we all have that to some degree, especially having come out of that culture with so much damage and so much baggage yes. to unpack. I think, I mean, I still find it's very hard for me to be tolerant of people who not just have those beliefs, that, but use those beliefs to actively harm people. It's very hard for me. And I want to say you shouldn't tolerate that. If someone's using their beliefs to harm someone, you absolutely do not need to tolerate that. But the other the other beliefs they hold that they they in their minds are are more benign even those i sometimes just have such a hard time with and yes you know i'm always having to weigh cuz i'm like the only liberal in my whole family so i'm always having to weigh like do i do i want to ruin the family dinner and say something <laughs> 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 yeah <laughs> or am I just gonna let this slide a lot of times I will let it slide if it's something like just it you know that it's just a stupid belief that's not really actively harming people it's just a dumb belief people have like you know um just okay like all the stupid science facts facts in quotes there that we grew up with like men have an extra rib or something Whatever. If you want to go around thinking that women have one less rib than men, you know, at the, it, it, that alone in itself is probably the root of many of a whole lot of misogyny. But I'm not going to address it because it's just stupidly. Now, now yeah. if it's something that is expressed that's racist or something or, you know, homophobic, then I, I will speak up and say something and happily cause an awkward conversation. Absolutely. But, um, yeah, it's really about picking your battles. Um, oh, God, yes. Exactly. I was going <laughs> to say that. You got to choose your battles. Like, are you going to, yeah, are you going to blow up dinner with uh, a little a little problem or are you going to blow it up with a big problem? Like, right. I'm going to wait for my uncle to say the N-word and then I'll be like, listen, oh, you yes. Stop it. Yeah. Like, like, I'm done arguing about Trump. It's pointless. Yep. It's stupid to don't ruin any more family dinners over Trump because you know what? They're not going to change their minds. No, okay. they're not. They are set in stone on this. They think that he is, you know, like the second son of God. And, yep. you know, and even Jesus is on the fence there. He might be usurped. I don't know. Yeah, but... who knows? He might have been <laughs> unseated as number one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, God has a new favorite, Jesus. I'm sorry. sorry All that Jesus. dying and stuff was for nothing. Yeah, but, the whole uh, cross situation that was rough, bro. But have you seen uh, Trump's golf swing? Because that's right. like sick as fuck. Like, right. But yeah, but you know, but you know that that gets back to you know the. I don't think they're stupid people. I think they're very indoctrinated people. Yeah, that's deeply fair. indoctrinated people because they get it at home and then they come home, or they get it at church, then they come home and listen to their very carefully curated conservative media 
And yep. it's almost a hopeless cause to say that they're it's it is absolutely a hopeless cause. If somebody out there is listening and they're waiting for their relative to wake up and see the light, it's not happening. Stop I know waiting and, for that. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's really frustrating too because there's people like us that have come out on the other side. Yeah. And so you're part of me always wants to be like, okay maybe this person will come out on the other side then like I did and see things from these other perspectives because I unplugged my head for my ass. Maybe they can right. do that too. Like maybe they can I, grow and change yeah. and become accepting and loving of and embracing of all kinds of cultures and differences and enjoy the things possible. that I enjoy. Yeah. yeah. But it's also it, really hard to, it's like a personal thing. It's like, almost like addiction kind of like you have to choose to want to not be addicted to things like you have to choose to not be addicted to this way of thinking I suppose yeah and even with addiction I mean addiction alters your brain you know I am a a recovering opiate addict you know I have not used in years other well I had surgery last fall and I used after that two for two whole days and it made me so sick I didn't want to touch it anymore for sure (laughs) I mean, I had to, yes, make the choice, but also understanding that 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 um, potential to fall back into that is always there. Right. You know, so yep. I think with people like especially I think of like people my parents age who have spent their whole life just, you know, taking this, you know, drug, if you want to call it that, of conservative media and conservative views. I mean, you know, people want to blame Fox News for everything. Before Fox News, there was Jerry Falwell. There was the Hour of Power. There was the Crystal Cathedral. (laughs) You know, there was the 700 Club. Oh, the 700 Club. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And all of those places, especially starting with Jerry Falwell, began feeding this frenzy that the only right way to think is the conservative way and the only right way to govern is the Republican way. And the only right way to have a nation is the, is the conservative Christian way. This yep. happened long before Fox news. So this stuff has been going on, you know, like my parents have been feeding off of this stuff for the last 40 years. Yes. You know, yep. to ask, to expect that somebody who's been doing that is going to just walk away now is a fool's errand. However, I do think there is some hope for younger people Yes. Who, um, you know, especially with the growing movement of people who have come out of those conservative evangelical cultures who are speaking up more now and saying, listen, I know this is messed up. Some of you out there know this is messed up and you're afraid to leave. I'm here to tell you it's better outside of the bubble. It and is. I'm here to help you step out if you want to reach out and take my hand. Exactly. You know? it's, it's like the it's like a being in a cult. I guess. I think that's why I'm so fascinated by cults. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Like, that's like a, I'm always fascinated to hear, like, how did they get in? How did they get out? What were they doing? Right. What were their beliefs? Like, what were they forced mm-hmm. to accept? What abuse yeah. did they endure? And um, how are they recovering from that? And yeah, I don't know, all that's like that stuff. I can kind of like separate from what I experienced and be like, okay, yeah, that was different. And then okay, yeah, like, this is the same. Like, I can yeah. then diagram that in my head as, like, yep. different experiences, but also I I live this in yeah. a way, and 
I'm getting out of it. And then you see cult members and other people's like that um, coming out of those situations and experiences and, and deprogramming themselves. And yeah, I know someone that was in a cult. Uh, I forget the name of it, but actually I know two people that were in a cult and he wrote a book about it, but okay. and he's, they're from central Lake actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, he's a published author. Uh, Sanasta Colucci. Anyway, mm. so uh, I'll Facebook message that to you later. But <laughs> okay, yeah. um, super cool. But yeah, I just I'm fascinated by cults and yeah. how they got out of it. And because um, if you can survive that and come out the other side and stuff like that, like I just it gives me like a real hope for yeah some people that um, are super conservative and Christian and religious and maybe they can unplug their heads from their ass in some way yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know it's like so, my one glimmer of hope <laughs> well and too I think that when I look at the kids my kids your kids I have hope yes. I think the kids are going to get it right and so I would I wanted to ask you in light of your own upbringing and how you identify now like spiritually in your sexuality and so forth what are you doing different with your own children so much so so much <laughs> yeah um yeah I made a list um, <laughs> <laughs> let's so, hear it <laughs> okay so number one so we don't do we don't do church like I don't let them passively go to things like vacation bible school I don't let them I don't yep I don't let them like some people do some people that are not Christians will be like oh whatever like it's a fun vacation thing to do in the summer and I'm like and no it's a night off for mom and dad right and I'm like and there are no circumstances is that appropriate right. yeah. <laughs> you don't yep. need even a single microdose of that because it's gonna make mm-hmm. you question what I've already taught you which sounds indoctrination-y but uh yeah. we were very critical thinking um mm-hmm. We very much appreciate critical thinking, which was yeah. not um, anything like my childhood. Um, no. <laughs> at all. So How dare you? Yep. How fucking dare you? Um, yeah. So we do a lot of like, um, like, I'll answer any questions. Like if Wesley, Wesley is my oldest and he's especially interested in lots of different things and will ask mm-hmm. questions and I'll answer them. And if he's got questions about Christianity, then I'll answer them and I'll be honest yeah. and um, we talk more about science and we talk a lot about biology and we talk a lot about our bodies and how our yeah. bodies function. And so like, um, like this might be a TMI, but like one time, um, Wesley's like, oh my God, mom, are you okay? I just saw a whole bunch of blood in the toilet. And I was like, oh, great. Aww. Like apparently my, apparently the, the toilet didn't flush very well. <laughs> And yeah, I was like, yeah. No, I'm totally fine. And I, I'm like, yeah. it's good. Like, and like, I explain some biology to him and be like, no, like my uterus sheds its lining. It's like a thing that happens, you know, once a month for mm-hmm. most people. And um, this is just how it goes when you hit puberty. And he's like, well, it's puberty. Right. And then we just go down this rabbit hole of biology. We're very open and honest about right. it. And, you know, and I don't get into like hardcore details about like, my husband's and I sexual relationship or anything like that we don't sure get like in the nitty-gritty but like if he's got questions right I'm gonna answer them and if you know absolutely because if he's curious then he's he's gonna find out the answers no matter what because he's like a yes, dog with a bone and I'd rather give him an open honest answer 
from a healthy source than him asking like some asshole kid on the playground and getting the wrong information and then right. have to deprogram that later. So Right. Yep. Or so, if yeah. he's got access to devices and he yes. just looks up what is sex? Exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right, yeah. Like, You're gonna have a conversation. There's yeah, I don't want him to have like an unhealthy uh concept exactly. of any of that. So we definitely yep. yeah. So and that kind of leads into we really focus on like learning and about everything and if there's questions then you find out the answers and if there's yeah so and we do a lot of focusing on kindness and personal boundaries and boundaries of other people like no means no and like if someone looks uncomfortable with something you said or did then you need to evaluate the situation and you need to um make sure that everything's okay with the other person and with you. Like if you're uncomfortable, you need to say something, um, stand up for yourself. Um, mm-hmm. And that leads into like respect for yourself and respect for others and respect in relationships, even with parents and stuff. And if you feel like um, I always, you know, tell my kids, like if you feel like we're disrespecting you in some way, tell us because yes, I don't want you to feel disrespected. I don't want you to feel like your opinion isn't valid I don't want you to feel like um you don't matter or that your opinion doesn't matter or that your level of comfort doesn't matter um I don't know so (laughs) all that kind of good stuff yeah and like being oh I'm sorry what no go ahead okay um like being safe and like non-judgmental listeners like um, if Wesley were to come home and be like, Avery did this on the bus or this happened at school, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like, let's yeah. get all the sides of the story. Let's piece together step by step what happened. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, like, let's get, you know, some more perspectives. And if something did happen, like, I'll, um, I'll ask, uh, like, I'll, I can text Wesley or not Wesley's, um, Avery, my kindergartners, I can text his teacher and she texts back right away, which is awesome. It's, we have a really That's good, cool. yeah. yeah, like the Remind app, I guess, is what we use. It's a really good, okay. yeah, it's a nice line of communication. So I always uh, check with her and see what happened and, um, you know, compare and contrast what he's telling me and what she's telling me. And because I want to get an overall picture of things. I don't want to just jump to conclusions and assume everything mm-hmm. is um, the worst case scenario. Because that's what happened in my childhood, like. Oh, right. well, your teacher said this. So obviously that's the truth. What you're saying is a lie. You're a fucking liar. So mm-hmm. vastly different. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And that it's okay to question um, what adults say. Like you yeah. don't have to take everything at face value. It's okay to have questions and it's okay to think for yourself and critical thinking and stuff. Yep. And um we teach our kids that they're not bad for making decisions. Um, mm-hmm. They're not inherently bad. They're not inherently evil. They, um, if they make mistakes, it was a bad choice and everyone makes bad choices. Right. Everyone, you know, and that's how you learn and grow and get better at everything is, right. um, is by learning kind of what not to do. And everything's like an experiment kind of like we kind of view everything mm-hmm. like scientifically, like, um, yeah like here's your hypothesis like 
your hypothesis in this situation, you know, um, socially was this, and you thought that this would work. Okay, well, it didn't work. Um, let's try something else. And um, and just because it didn't work out that one time, and maybe you said the wrong thing, that doesn't make you a bad person. That doesn't make you a bad friend. It just means you're learning and growing, and you can um, totally get better at it. Like no one is born with this inherent awesome ability to like be perfect. <laughs> right. You know, like <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, I mean, sh- yeah, it would be, but <laughs> it's not the yeah. case. And I mean, they're little tiny kids, and. And, uh, yeah. you know, so we definitely approach things like way more accepting, way more accepting of yourself. And we're very encouraging. Um, we say, I love you a whole lot. Um, mm-hmm. We teach our kids to love each other um, and, you know, do things for each other and not just be like selfish or whatever. We don't shame them. Yeah. We don't. Um, we don't. Where is it going with that? I guess we don't, uh, we just ask them like what they can do differently for next time. So they have a more positive outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really into like some research. So if people have questions, then yeah. we like, um, like, I don't know, like, I don't know, but let's find out. Like, let's yeah. consult yep. some, some encyclopedias or what have you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so definitely a whole lot of, um, I guess, like, the biggest difference would be not shaming our kids, treating them with respect. You know, they have bodily autonomy and Mm -hmm. they have, you know, value. Whereas that's totally different from how I was raised. Like, you have to respect your elders. And if you don't, then you don't respect yourself um, because you didn't follow the advice of the Bible, which says, um, you know, honor thy mother and thy father and if you don't do that in every single weird detailed way that the church tells you to do that then you're going to hell it's yeah (laughs) it's just like this weird circular reasoning type thing we don't do any of that Mm -hmm. like if you don't feel respected here tell us please Mm -hmm. so i think those are the biggest differences um yeah. for how we raise and our And those kids. are huge differences. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I would um, say they're I, vastly different on the spectrum. Vastly different. <laughs> I mean, I do a lot of the same things with my son. You know, he's encouraged to ask questions. Um we talk very openly about anything he wants to talk about using age appropriate language and so forth and Oh yes, definitely age appropriate. You know, language, I would say um, too, yeah. You know, uh what was I going to say? I can't remember now. <laughs> oh yeah. About the respect thing. Um, yeah. He absolutely, if he's feeling like, you know, I've done something that he, that made him feel like I was not being respectful to him. He's allowed to tell me, Yep. you know, and I don't, um, you know, I try really hard not to shame him. I don't always succeed. Sometimes my language comes off wrong. Mine too. And then I have to correct myself. And, um, but I work really hard to, not give him the same burdens I was given. Yes. You know, I don't want him to feel like he is less than for any reason. Exactly. And I think that he feels pretty confident most of the time. Um, he, he just started going back to school. He was being homeschooled for a while. And, you know, he's been telling me about, well, this question was asked in class and nobody else said it, but I raised my hand and said, you know, whatever. I'm like, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm that's very awesome. proud of you for speaking up because, you know, 
kids even in school are, are trained to just go with flow yes and they are um he you know I really encourage him to not do that but you know obviously to be respectful to other people but to understand too that what he has to say is just as valid as what someone else is saying and maybe even more um not because he's you know better than anybody but because you know if they're expressing an opinion that is actively harmful Mm -hmm. then you don't not every opinion is valid you know I'm sorry and I know that's not the popular way to think of things now but not every opinion is valid I agree. You know, just because you have an opinion doesn't make it right. Right. Like everyone's got an asshole. Everyone's got an opinion. Kind of a thing. Right. Like, yes. Yours is no better than anyone else's kind of a thing. Yeah. But also, not, I mean, like, yeah, I know what you're saying. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I agree. I do the same thing with Wesley too and teaching him how to uh, be respectful and respectfully disagree, I would say, yes. is a big way. That's, yep. that's a big way. That's the right word for it. Just respectfully disagree. Yes, because you know. he'll be like, no, you're wrong. Like, well, he used to be right. like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> Not right. This is why. Yeah. Like, he would get super pissed. And I'd be like, okay. So we had to, like, have language um, and teach him ways of how to um, calmly and nicely kind of uh, – talk to people in a way that he can convey what he's trying to convey without being a dick you know (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes. because don't be a dick my my son asked me one day he's like you know because at my my parents live right upstairs and there are a lot of rules up there as far as what kids are and are not allowed to do and uh you know my son gets in trouble frequently (laughs) (laughs) but I know and so he says to me one day he's like thinking about it he's like mom what are our standards here and I was thinking about it I'm like well I think and and I did use the word I said you know I think if I had to sum it up I would just say that our our standard here is don't be an ass yeah yeah no I say that to my kid I'm like he's not be a dick right now (laughs) right you know, people make such a huge deal about swearing and kids and stuff. And, oh, for fuck's sake. I know. You know it's like... If my, if my, you know, if he's like going over top, over the top, you know, with it, I'm like, okay, you need to dial it down about a hundred notches. Yes. Okay. Exactly. But I mean, of all the things a kid could be doing, the words that come out of their mouth, if they know that, okay, this is only appropriate here. I don't want you taking it outside of the house because that's going to offend some people and it's going to get you in a lot of trouble. And we want to be respectful. Not everybody enjoys hearing it. Okay. Yes, exactly. But it's like within our own house, you know, if, if he's angry and he drops an F-bomb, I'm like, okay, I didn't particularly like your choice of words there, but I understand. <laughs> totally. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like we have this like kind of, um, uh, co- like, I don't know if you want to say it's a concept, but we have this, like, I guess, idea in our house that um, there's no such thing as bad words. There's mm-hmm. bad intentions behind certain yes. words. And if you want to be like, for fuck's sake, mom, then I obviously am going to pay attention to what you're saying. But if you're going to sit there right. and say so-and-so is fat and so-and-so is this right like make judgmental things like I think calling someone stupid or calling someone names and being like super rude and awful and like verbally abusive that to me 
is that's swearing like that's bad like yeah. you can't do like don't, don't treat people like garbage like don't be a dick yeah like our just like that's right. our kind of family philosophy is just don't be a dick like if you're gonna right if you're gonna like stub your toe and be like fuck i get that but mm-hmm. like, yeah yeah bro mm-hmm. that hurt like if that's the first word that comes to mind and it makes you feel better do it yeah i mean yeah please don't mm-hmm. like walk into mcdonald's stub your toe and scream fuck because people are going to get upset right. about that like people really right. don't want to hear that and people are going yeah. to get judgmental and yep. get weird about it so if you could just like mm-hmm. keep that at home that'd be perfect yeah that'd be great, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yes so we do need to wrap it up but sure. i did want to ask you one last question sure so how do you identify now spiritually? Spiritually, I would say um, I'm more like a pagan, Wiccan, witch type thing going on here. So <laughs> very like. And you're a practicing witch. Yes. It's not just like the trendy, hey, I'm a witch now. No. That is happening. No. no. <laughs> We've discussed that. We did. Yeah, no, no. I've been doing this for a long time. Well, maybe not a real long time, mm-hmm. but probably like the last 10 years, I would say. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of my philosophy with that is like the whole do no harm, take no shit type of a thing. Yeah. Um, yep. And being, you know, supportive of others. And um, yeah. I practice through like a lot of like personal growth and learning and personal improvement um, with mental health and physical health and yeah. um, being an advocate for others and um, appreciating and accepting diversity and having tolerance and patience for other people's experiences and, you know, mm-hmm. checking my privilege at every possible turn and amplifying yeah. stifled voices of others who have, yeah. and by others, I mean that in a gentle way of um, people that, you know, aren't me, that aren't like white. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah any marginalized group. Exactly. Really. Yes. People, yeah. those, those, yeah. those folks, I want to amplify their voices and, you know, and make awareness for their situation so everyone can love and accept and understand them and make them, make them feel heard and valid in our society because they matter just as much as everyone else. And Mm -hmm. like they deserve as much as everyone else and need to feel as equal and be as equal and be treated as equal because Mm -hmm. everyone matters, you know? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that's my, that's like the biggest ways that I have changed with that and that and like more earth-based stuff, like um, respecting the earth and recycling Mm -hmm. as much as we can as a family. And my kids are always like, if there's plastic garbage type stuff in our house, they're like, is this recyclable? Like, it's always like the first thing that they always (laughs) ask. I'm like, okay, guys, like take care of whatever stuff is sitting around. I have four kids. So there's always like and on there's always oh stuff yeah God, there's always shit to pick up so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay go recycle this or whatever or if they find something they're like oh can i recycle it and i'll be like yes or no or thanks for asking or cool you know like, yeah so we always kind of like try yeah. to raise awareness with that and um uh yeah so that and respecting nature like as we go outside we don't like break stuff or like hurt animals or yeah just like fuck with trees to be a dick like we don't right you know like if if there's like a pretty flower we don't pick it like leave it so the bees can use it just leave it yeah and like let's appreciate our you know the natural beauty of things and we don't need to bring it inside necessarily in order to enjoy it so yeah 
I know. I mean, like my son, lo- he, you know, he's always loved to bring in bugs and stuff and he wants to keep them as pets. And I'm like, I'm trying to help him understand like, dude, you're not helping them. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I, I, I mean, I love that he doesn't have, you know, he's not squeamish about touching things and so forth. And I love that he loves them, but you know, he, he just, he just is so in love with them. Yes. He wants to keep them. And it's like the loving thing to do is let them live where they belong. Yep. Not in a mason jar in your kitchen. <laughs> exactly. You know? Exactly. So like we don't, but isn't it so much, oh, go ahead. We don't really need to like colonize everything, including the grasshoppers. No, <laughs> like, no we really do not. No. Not at, despite what we have been told. Exactly. Not everything is there for us to take. Exactly. Like, just because our crazy white ancestors came over here and wanted to, like, upend the, you know, the civilization that was here before us and uh, (laughs) take over, doesn't mean you need to, like, continue that line of thought with all of these grasshoppers in this plastic bottle. Like, bro, calm down. (laughs) We don't need to save everything. Like, you're not the savior of all the things. You're not the yeah, Jesus of the bugs. they were doing fine. They're fine. Right. Like, I'm they're not trying fine. to compare insects to Native Americans, but I'm just saying, like, there's those... Like, the tendency to colonize, though, yes. I think, is it's deep in our bones because that's what we were always told was right. Yeah. You know, and um, I think that, yeah, I can understand. I know where, where you're going with okay, that. Okay, good. Yeah, because, yeah. Cause, uh, yeah. <laughs> the colonization of, like, ideas with evangelicalism and the colonization of... Um, insects in my house needs to chill so we don't need to have all these spiders in here you're not going to teach them how to be you know vegetarians like us like it's not going to work out bro like (laughs) just let them be yes you need to chill i don't know why it's like colonization and evangelicalism and and kids with bugs like guys yeah chill let shit be let just like right do no harm take no shit you know like just let's mm-hmm. let stuff be so i think that's let it be totally where i'm yeah. at in mm-hmm. my personal spiritual identity is yeah. yeah just like let it go man and do your own thing and as long as you're not hurting mm-hmm. anyone else then then as long as you're happy yeah. then you're good yeah well um before we close out, did you want to tell people where to find you on social media? No. Do you want new friends and followers? Nah, fuck everyone. <laughs> Stay the fuck away from me. No. <laughs> my, name is, uh, my name is Melanie Hurst. I mean, you can follow me. Um, I'm I, sometimes interesting. Most of my stuff isn't public because I don't like to argue on the internet. I mean, I do, yeah. but I don't. Oh, I do. I mean, I do enjoy it. <laughs> But at, yeah. at like I don't want people to come at me. I don't know. Right. I don't know. But I'm yeah. cool with like if, if someone wants if someone hears this and gives a shit and wants to friend me because they think that I'm cool, then that's fine. But yeah. don't be like yeah. no, I hear you up in my DMs. Yeah, like, I'm gonna go find her and I'm gonna start arguing. <laughs> yeah. If you're gonna do that, fuck off. But if you wanna be friends, right. okay. <laughs> yeah. Most of the people I've you know, I've only done a few of these shows but most of the people who listen to my podcast I'm finding are actually pretty awesome people and the people out there who might be listening who disagree with me they just tend to not engage good so I think you're safe I think you're safe sweet um okay for the listeners um I do hit there is listener support that you can 
provide if you'd like through the Anchor app, or you can go to patreon.com slash raised evangelical, and you can offer listener support there. Uh, my book, Raised Evangelical, Losing My Faith and Finding Myself, is available on Amazon. It can be purchased in Kindle format or in paperback. Uh, thank you, Melanie, for being here and so for this amazing conversation. <laughs> and uh, everyone else, um, enjoy the rest of your week. Go forward feeling empowered and knowing you are loved and you were not born in need of a savior and you were not born flawed and you are amazing. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>